Alright, so we're in the lectionary series still, and whether you know it or not, it's still Easter tide season, so you could actually go wish somebody happy Easter and it would still be appropriate. And so during the Easter tide season, we've been sticking with the passages in the lectionary from the book of Acts. It just so happens that the one that we're reading from today is actually the verses immediately following the, serv- the passage from three weeks ago. So, uh, lectionary is weird like that. Sometimes it shifts around and, and jumps in and out. But I want to read that text for you first and then give you a little bit of background in case you need a, a reminder on what happened um, and then break it down. Uh, so, it's Acts 10, verses 34, uh, 44 through 48. So while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. Now, a little bit of background on the passage, just to kind of get you back up to speed. Peter has just been in the, invited into the home of a Roman centurion. Right. Now, Peter was a devout Jew. And if you remember your gospel teachings, Peter was the one who pulled Jesus aside and said, Now, when is it that we're going to overthrow Rome and restore the nation of Israel. So he's very nationalistic. Uh, He's apparently borderline violent because he carries a sword with him and uses it when they come after Jesus. Uh, And he's very proud of the fact that he's never eaten anything unclean. And that becomes important because in the passage immediately preceding this one, God reveals to Peter a vision where he commands him to kill and eat all these unclean animals. And Peter, being who he is, brash and sure of himself says yeah but god i've never eaten anything unclean so i'm not going to start now and god doesn't say it this way but i imagine he the intent was i just need you to shut up for a second and do what i told you i'm telling you to do something and since i'm telling you you get to make an exception so he's pondering this and while he's pondering this the holy spirit sends a message to a roman centurion named cornelius A Roman centurion would have been somebody who was educated, Uh, he would have had wealth, he would have had power, he probably would have owned land, he had servants, and he was a fighting man. You didn't get to be a centurion unless you were battle-hardened and proven uh, for your courage, your military prowess. Uh, But he was a representative of the empire that occupied Peter's homeland. And so, Peter, the devout Jew, who would never enter, would never defile himself by entering the home of a Gentile, is commanded by the Holy Spirit to uh, kill and eat. Or in other words, there's something that you're afraid to do, that you're uneasy with doing, that I'm going to ask you to do. And then this Roman soldier, who's Peter's enemy, says, I need you to go look for a guy named Peter and invite him into your home. Now, Peter would not have defiled himself entering into the home of the Gentile, uh, prior to his encounter with the Holy Spirit, but now he does. He goes into this, the home of this person who 
would otherwise have been his enemy. And he shares the good news with them about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and what that means for the salvation of humanity. And if you read through the book of Acts, especially in about the first 10 or 12 chapters, this kind of thing happens a lot, where there's some sort of cultural divide that gets broken down, where somebody's assumption about somebody else gets subverted, and the Holy Spirit empowers people to forget themselves and get on with the business of understanding who Christ is and loving one another the way Christ commanded. And as I read it, as often as it happens in the book of Acts, you start to get the impression that this is what God had in mind all along, from the very beginning. There's a lot said in the Old Testament about Israel being God's chosen people, and I think we misunderstand the idea of what that means, because we kind of tend, tend to think of it as this is God's special people, and they're exalted, and they're better than everybody else, but that's not what they were chosen for. They were chosen to be the image bearers of God to the rest of the world. They weren't chosen because they were, uh, they had some special place in heaven. They were chosen because they had a special task on earth. And that was to give the, the, the knowledge of God and God's power to, to restore and save us to the rest of the world. Israel was not chosen from the world to the exclusion of everybody else. They were chosen for the world, for the inclusion of everybody else. But they failed. Have you ever failed before? Happened to them. Happens to me a good bit. But they failed. That's, that's, the Old Testament is just the story of Israel failing to do this thing and God continually coming in and trying to restore it and trying to get them back on the right track so that they could be the people who delivered the news of God to the rest of the world. So eventually, God says, you know what? I'll do it myself. So he sends Jesus. And that's the point of what Jesus did. It was to bring the good news that salvation is for all of humanity, that God wants to restore all of creation, uh, all of humanity to him, who choose to follow him. And everyone who comes gets to be part of the fold. And everyone who is part of the fold then becomes part of the plan. And that is to continue to be God's people in the world. So what Jesus does is he effectively sets up this new Israel, this idea of, of this is now God's people, and it's not bound by ethno, ethno or racial or geographical or political lines. It's something bigger. I'm going to come back to that in a second. But what we find is that Jesus isn't doing a new thing in the New Testament. Jesus is doing the thing that God always wanted. He was just doing it the way that everybody had failed. And he's the one that brings salvation. He is the one who has come to deliver that. And a couple weeks ago, I preached how salvation doesn't come from anybody else. There's not just that Jesus is the only way to heaven, but really that there's nobody else coming to save you. There's not another thing or another person or another identity or another political cause or anything that's going to bring you salvation, no matter what it promises. It's only Jesus. Now, this can seem like, an like a very narrow and exclusive claim. What do you mean that salvation is only through Jesus? And it would be an exclusive and narrow claim if it wasn't for two things. Number one is that Christianity takes 
our failure as a given. And so what you find in Christianity is that there is there are no rituals to come into the faith. There are no uh, requirements as far as you got to pray this many times a day facing in the right direction. You don't have to maintain a certain diet. You don't have to be from a certain part of the world. All of the ritualistic and, uh, for lack of a better word, religious things that have built up around so many other religions are not present in Christianity. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes or no? Jesus has done the heavy lifting of all the other stuff so that we can simply do you want to do you believe this and if you do welcome that's one thing number two is that the invitation is open to everyone the other reason it's not narrow is because this invitation is for anyone who wants to be a part of it like i said before there's there's no ethno political socio-cultural center christianity from the very outset is a faith with none of those ritual requirements but also none of those uh boundaries that are set up in our cultures. What you find at Pentecost is where so many other faiths and so many other sacred texts are based on you know, one particular language. Pentecost is this moment, we're going to celebrate it in a few weeks, but Pentecost is this moment where the gospel is, is poured out and it's spoken to and from everybody in all languages. So, I mean, even right there at the beginning, it's breaking down linguistic barriers. It's breaking down every barrier that we put up. So it's not narrow because anybody can be a part of it. And what the Holy Spirit is doing in the book of Acts is showing that all the things that divide you are not relevant and not important. What I need for you to do is get on with the business of loving each other. And that invitation is open to everyone, which is where we all come in. We all have enemies whether they're imagined or whether they're real and if you don't have one specifically if i give you a few seconds you could probably come up with a straw man who represents everything that you think is wrong with the world and everything that you hate and it's okay i mean i, I can too i can give me five seconds and i can come up with a picture of someone of just what i just can't stand in people um it could just be a general attitude that some people have. It could be uh, you don't like their politics. It could be that you don't like um, the causes that they believe in. Uh, it could be any number of things, but we all have this sense of uh, they're enemies. They're people who are not us, and we avoid them. And if we can't avoid them, then when we're forced to be with them, we, we put up walls and we guard ourselves from them so that we don't have to uh, lower ourselves or frustrate ourselves by their presence. But that's someone else who Jesus loves, just like he loves you. And don't forget that as many of those people as we can think of for ourselves, there are people in the world for whom you are that person. You're their enemy. So you can't get too cocky because you represent something that somebody else might hate or disdain or get frustrated by as well. And it's hard to get around that. It's hard for me. But Peter did. I mean, if there was anybody who had a reason to say, no, I'm not going into their house and I'm not going to give them the love of Christ, it was Peter. Because you have a Roman soldier, the representative of the people who killed Jesus, who was Peter's best friend and his religious leader, 
And God says, I want you to go to his house. What? Are you kidding? If there was anybody who had a reason to refuse that, it would have been Peter. But he did it anyway. And what I love about this passage is what Peter says in the middle. He says, who can withhold water from baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit? They receive the Holy Spirit just like the people did at Pentecost. So I mean, the Holy Spirit is ignoring all the things that, uh, that, that Peter is imagining in his head should separate him. But what I, I think that the question, who can withhold water, is actually rhetorical. Because the answer is nobody can. Nobody can withhold the water of baptism for these people because it's the baptism in Christ. So it's not ours to withhold from anyone. We don't have a special right to it. We don't have special privilege to it. This belongs to everybody who wants it. So then the question is, are we, we going to do this or not? Are we going to be a part of this? Or are we not? The heart of the Christian message, at least in part, is a refusal to be an enemy of anybody else. It's Christ's command to love others as he has loved us. And we either get this or we don't. I was kind of frustrated with this passage. I was telling Lindsay earlier that it's not a long passage and it doesn't say a whole lot of things. But it's, it's simple. It's not complicated. It's not easy, but that's not the same thing. But it's such a simple thing, and it really just comes... I, I, I thought about just getting up here and saying, either you get it or you don't. And either you will do it or you won't. But you came to church, so I wanted to give you a sermon about it, too. <clears throat> do you want to be a part of God's victory on the earth? Or do you not? Do you want to be a messenger of the good news of salvation in Christ to other people? Or do you not? Do you want to see the Holy Spirit move the way that the people in the book of Acts did? Or do you not? And if the answer is yes, it may mean that you have to enter the house of an enemy. Do you still want it, if you think about it that way? I mean, do you still want to be a part of this if it means you have to, to engage with people you don't like and, and accept the fact that people who don't agree with you, who don't look like you, who don't believe the same things you do, who don't like you, they still deserve the love of Christ as much as you do. If you want it, then we have to be so radical in our belief that we do, in fact, refuse to be anyone's enemy. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to like us back. It doesn't mean they're going to love us back. But that's immaterial. And there's nothing there's nothing in it about, you know, if, if, if they like you, then you're good. And if they don't, you can walk away. It's just... Go do this. And if you're willing to do it, you're going to see great things. And if you're not, you're missing out. But you're not above it. Um, That's it. I mean, it's just, like I said, it just kind of is what it is. This is the gospel. And it's for everybody. And I love this passage because it's, I mean, if anybody can get there, can forget themselves the way Peter did. I mean, Peter is just a great example of somebody who, held so many prejudices and we watch in the book of Acts all of these things start falling down and he opens himself up more and more and the gospel spreads more and more because of his willingness to open that up and forget himself and allow God to do what God wants to do and bring the salvation he's always wanted to bring. Amen? Okay, good. Cool. Uh, We're going to say a prayer. I'm going to set us up for communion. Lindy's going to sing us a few songs. One song.